I'm Mary Van Horn with Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have a new acreage estimate for the 2022 cotton crop. The National Cotton Council held its annual meeting right here in Texas, down in Houston over the weekend, and they released their annual acreage estimate. We'll have those numbers for you coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains farmers have been getting advice on input cost containment from their local AgriLife economist in recent weeks. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll let you hear some of what Dr. Justin Benavidez has to say. It was definitely cold on the Texas South Plains during the winter storm earlier this month, but not enough moisture fell to help winter crops. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A recent California court ruling delayed enforcement of Proposition 12, highlighting the inherent flaws of the rule. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The National Cotton Council released their annual cotton acreage estimate during their annual meeting over the weekend in Houston. The NCC is calling for 12 million acres of cotton to be planted this year. That's about a half million acres less than the consensus guess of 12.5 million at last month's Beltwide Cotton Conferences in San Antonio. National Cotton Council economist Dr. Jody Campici looks at the details of the NCC survey. U.S. cotton producers and to plant 12 million cotton acres in 2022, up 7.3% from last year. This includes 11.9 million upland acres and 158,000 acres of ELS. Using the 10-year average abandonment rate for each state, cotton belt harvested area totals 9.8 million acres for 2022, with a U.S. abandonment rate of 18.9%. Using the 5-year average state-level yield per harvested acre generates a cotton crop of 17.3 million bells, with 16.8 million upland bells and 438 Here in Texas, the National Cotton Council estimating a total of 6.8 million acres of cotton. That's an increase of about 7% over last year. There are more goats here in Texas than any other state, but mohair production was down last year. 
Goat raisers in the Lone Star State were responsible for more than half of the country's mohair production last year. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 335,000 pounds of mohair were produced in Texas in 2021. That is down 35,000 pounds from 2020. The average clip weight last year was 5.5 pounds, slightly higher than the 5.2-pound national average. The average price for mohair rose a half dollar to $7.70, pushing the state's value of mohair production in 2021 to $2.58 million. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The squeeze is on for crop inputs this spring. Gerald Key runs the nation's largest cotton gin, Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman, Texas. And all I can say is it's horrific. I mean, everything's higher. I did hear nitrogen might be trending back down a little bit, but chemicals are going to be high. Nitrogen's still going to be high. And the biggest fear of all is it doesn't matter how high it is if you can't get it. I hear there's a shortage of plastic jugs, so chemicals may be hard to come by. Which is, <laughs> There's a lot of factors out there that give a lot of us indigestion right now. We reported a few months ago that there may not be enough glyphosate to meet demand this spring, and Bayer is now confirming that. The company sent letters to its retail partners last week saying Bayer may not be able to fill some glyphosate contracts this spring due to a supplier's manufacturing problem. Input costs are soaring as Texas farmers prepare to plant the 2022 crop. James Hunt has some advice for Texas High Plains farmers to manage those costs. Unfortunately, the old saying, what goes up must come down, might not apply very much to the cost of fertilizer and other inputs. Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says, We see input prices as relatively more what we call sticky than what we see in commodity prices. So if you think about corn producers, there's a lot of corn producers producing a lot of corn, and they're all competing with each other for the market. When you look at input producers, we actually have relatively few input producers for fertilizer, for machinery, whatever the case may be. And so they have a little more market power and they have a little bit more control over what their prices are, where farmers are price takers. A lot of our input producers are price makers or price setters. So with input prices likely to stay high for a while, finding ways to cut cost is essential. We'll bring you strategic advice on limiting expenses from Dr. Benavidez in later reports, but he says whatever farmers consider on the input side, they need to keep the revenue side in mind and consult an agronomist first. Your agronomist is going to have the on-the-ground information for your locality that tells you, hey, if I lower fertilizer application by a pound per acre, I'm going to lose a bushel of corn or am I going to lose five bushels of corn? What rate do I find my maximum yield response? Because that's where you start getting into economic considerations where you're finding your max profit point as well. So I would start any input management conversation with an agronomist and then come visit with us and we'll start balancing the cost and returns after you've got approval from an agronomist. More from Dr. Benavidez tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter storm Landon brought some very cold temperatures to the Lubbock area recently, but Tom Nicoletti tells us it did not bring much moisture to help winter crops. 
We go to West Texas, and uh, Eddie Griffiths is standing by for a report on uh, agricultural activities out in uh, the southern uh, plains of uh, the state. And Eddie, how did the winter storm impact farming and ranching uh, out in your area? Well, Tom definitely got cold, but as far as moisture and precipitation was concerned, it was minimal. We were hoping for more snow, just pretty much anything we could get at this point. Wheat pastures that remain out there looking pretty bleak at this point. They are in desperate need of, of moisture to survive and just keeps getting drier. And with that dry, keep getting uh, higher winds that, that burn a lot of that wheat off. And as far as forage is concerned, hay for livestock out there is becoming minimal. We're needing some help from Mother Nature to help subsidize, and especially as we get closer to spring these pastures we're going to need some uh, green growth out there to help some of this livestock to keep our herd put together how cold did it get uh, temperature wise and how did that impact uh, the livestock uh, in the region well we got down you know to eight nine degrees wind chills down to one or lower and that always poses difficulties with everything trying to keep water readily available for livestock out there going back to the the winter wheat those temperatures getting down that low on minimal moisture makes it tough for that wheat to survive that is eddie griffiths he is reporting for us today from the lubbock area i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network A recent California court ruling delayed implementation of California's Proposition 12, which could affect Texas pork producers. Michael Clements has more from Washington. A recent court decision in California further proves the state's Proposition 12 should be considered by the U.S. Supreme Court, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. AFBF Senior Counsel for Public Policy Travis Cushman says California's Prop 12 is an issue for all of agriculture. Prop 12 was about initiative from 2018 in California, and it requires any pork sold in the state to come from a sow that was given certain confinement practices that are not currently practiced essentially anywhere. And so that allows California to reach outside of California and regulate farms across the country. Cushman says the California ruling requires a six-month delay of implementation after the rules are finalized to give farmers and retailers time to understand the new regulations. As of last week, a California judge stopped the implementation of Prop 12. He gave the California Department of Food and Agriculture six months until after they finalize new regulations before it can be implemented. The issue is that Prop 12, there are many flaws in it, but it required the California Department of Food and Agriculture to finalize rules so farmers know what it is that's required of them. The timeline given was not enough time for the CDFA to do that, and to date, they've still failed to publish any final rules guiding how it should be implemented. AFBF and the National Pork Producers Council asked the Supreme Court to consider the case last September. Cushman says the latest ruling from California highlights the need for Supreme Court review. We're currently at the Supreme Court. They've looked at the case a couple times so far. They've not decided if they want to take the case yet or not. We're hopeful they will. The next meet on February 18th. So we should hopefully know by then whether or not they will take our challenge. Michael Clements, Washington. The Parks and Wildlife Commission is considering a petition that would allow hunting with guns in four North Texas counties once again. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And spring calving is getting underway. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Spring calving is now underway, and Dr. Bob Judd says it would be ideal if all cows calved during the day. The most important thing you can do to save more calves is to monitor them as they are calving. This allows you to make sure the calf is born without any problems, is breathing normally, responds to stimulation from the mother, and gets up and nurses within a four-hour window. Watching cows for calving 24 hours a day is labor-intensive and basically impossible for most ranchers. However, if you could change your management in some manner to increase the chance cows would calve during the day, it would at least be easier to monitor these cows. A simple management change has been shown to result in more cows calving during the day, and this is to feed your cows at dusk. Now, this does not completely prevent cows from calving at night, but a greater percentage will calve from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. than would normally be the case. This causes the cows to calve when it is usually warmer, makes finding and checking on the cows easier so you can provide assistance if necessary. All of this should result in saving more calves. There have been many studies on this concept, but the largest study was conducted in Iowa on 15 different farms and over 1,300 total cows. All of the cows were fed at dusk, and 85% of the calves were born from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And the good thing is that even if you are in the middle of calving season, you can start feeding your cows at dusk now and can expect more cows to calve during the day in as little as a week. Ideally, you would start this feeding practice 30 days before calving, but you don't have to wait for next year to see if this strategy works for your herd. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Parks and Wildlife Commission is considering a petition that would allow hunting with guns in four North Texas counties. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will soon ask the public for comment on a proposal that would allow hunters in four North Texas counties to use firearms once again. Hunting in Collin, Dallas, Grayson, and Rockwall counties has been limited to archery only for years, and the Parks and Wildlife Department has received a number of petitions asking that firearms be allowed once again. Alan Kane, TPWD's Whitetail Deer Program leader, said it is a divisive topic among hunters and landowners in the area. Those in opposition, such a proposal perceived possible issues include increased poaching, safety issues with the discharge of farms, a declining deer population, or current population is not large enough to allow for the take by firearm, impact of buck age structure and the number of trophy bucks in that population, and simply the tradition of archery-only hunting in these counties. 
the vast majority of these reasons for opposition are not unique to these four counties. You could say this about any county in the state that we currently allow firearm seasons and quite frankly don't necessarily justify retaining the archery only during all seasons. Those supporting take by firearm, including the petitioner's recent request, cite a number of reasons, including giving landowners a choice to decide whether firearm hunting should be allowed on their property. Also noting that firearm harvest is a necessary and efficient tool to manage deer populations. Parks and Wildlife staff recommended removing the prohibition against crossbows during archery season and allowing the use of firearms during the general and youth seasons and on MLD properties. The Parks and Wildlife Commission will publish proposed changes in the Texas Register. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a higher trade in the cattle market Tuesday with a sharply lower trade in the grain markets. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 19th through the 26th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm National FFA President Cole Bearlocker from the state of Washington. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a big drop in the grain markets on Tuesday. That caused cattle prices to close higher, both live and feeder cattle ending in positive territory Tuesday. February live cattle up 47 at 142.90, April up 55, 146.90, while June live cattle up 67 at 142.12. March feeder cattle up a dollar eighty-five, closing at one sixty-eight seventy-two. April feeders up a dollar five, one seventy-two fifty-five. May feeder cattle up a dollar thirty-seven at one seventy-six ninety-two. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. No bids from the packers, but we do see the feedlots here in the south asking one forty-two and better. Boxed beef prices mixed Tuesday choice down 263 at 271.33, select up a dollar 44, 269.89. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Auctioneer Troy sell that calf while we talk about the way those calves sold in Beeville on Friday. Rodney Butler, wrap up the action for us. Had a good sale. I thought that maybe uh, all the calves were higher maybe the heavier heifers those seven to eight hundred pound heifers might have been a little softer but the rest of them were probably two to three dollars higher the rest of the cattle good deal let's walk the pins all right we had 514 head of cattle no horses and we had 22 sheep and goats the 200 300 pound steers were $1.82 to 220 heifers $1.56 to $1.78 your 300 400 pound steers were $1.71 to 205 heifers were $1.56 to $1.93 and that was on some Brummer heifers your 400 to 500 pound steers were $1.57 to $1.94 heifers $1.44 to $1.85 
five to six hundred pounds steers a dollar forty eight to dollar seventy three heifers a dollar forty two to dollar sixty three six hundred seven hundred pound steers were a dollar forty one to a dollar fifty nine heifers a dollar twenty eight to a dollar forty eight your seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers a dollar thirty one to a dollar forty seven heifers a dollar ten to a dollar twenty one packer cows sure enough were were really active this Friday. They brought anywhere from 31 to 91 cents. Bulls brought from 60 to $1.18. Stocker cows brought anywhere from 65 to 99. Bread cows brought from 750 to 1,035. And our pairs brought anywhere from 1150 to 15 and a quarter, sir. What do you anticipate for this week? I know a few sets of calves coming this next week. Uh, not too many, not no big bunches, but I know of some small bunches coming. So I imagine we'll have around that 350 to 450 next week, sir. Rodney Butler, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next Friday sale in Beeville. If I can help you market your cattle in South Texas, call me 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile 645-5002. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir, and take care. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south texas reporting for texas ag today thanks larry back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs finished sharply higher on tuesday april hogs up a dollar 82 at 104.15 may hogs up a dollar 50 108 even class three milk was lower february milk down four cents 2078 a hundred weight while march milk was down a penny at 2280 a hundred the cotton market finishing higher in a mostly quiet trade on Tuesday. March cotton up 11 points to close at 123.04. October up 6 at 107.64. December cotton up 54 at 104.08. The grain market's taking a big tumble Tuesday. The big news, Russia is reportedly pulling troops back from the Ukrainian border. That, coupled with better chances for rain in South America, put big pressure on the corn market on Tuesday. March corn down 17 and three quarters, 638 a bushel. New crop September corn down 10 and three quarters at six dollars and a half cent. That Russia news pressuring the wheat market also. July Kansas City wheat dropped 23 and three quarters, 810 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 19 and three quarters, closing at 782 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 18 cents at 437. March crude oil downs 363, 91.83 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 399 points at 34,965. The NASDAQ up 328 at 14,119. The S&P up 66 points, 4,468. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.